Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Isaac said unto us, said, how is it? How is how did this happen? How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And Jacob, you know, he says, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Rebecca's going, Yes, you know, good. And see, Isaac's suspicion it grows. Because Isaac's wondering, how is he able to find that venison so quickly? And, and for Jacob, that's a real problem. And he didn't even ask his mother before. What if I get asked this question? He's so quick on the spot there. You know, how did he find it so fast? And here we see Jacob very quick on his feet when he says, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Now, when Jacob said to Isaac, because the Lord thy God brought it to me, there's one word in that statement, because the Lord thy God brought it to me, that really reveals something very important about Jacob that we, re- we maybe didn't know this before. Now, what word is that in that statement that tells us something about Jacob that we didn't know? One word. Take a guess. Thy. Right? Is that what you said? Thy. Yeah. See, it's that word, thy. The Lord, thy God, brought it to me. He, see, he didn't say, the Lord, my God, brought it to me. He didn't say, the Lord, our God, brought it to me. Why not? Because when Jacob called God, thy God. When Jacob called God Isaac's God, he was saying, he's not, he's not my God. He's not Jacob's God. Jacob is saying the Lord God was only Isaac's God and not Jacob's God. See, when Jacob called the Lord God thy God, Jacob was saying that you and I, we don't have the same God. We're not on the same page. See, when Jacob called the Lord God thy God, that was a real pushback statement that Jacob was making where Jacob was saying to Isaac that God was, it was his God, it's not my God. What a heartbreak this is for Isaac. Of course, he thinks he's talking to Esau, but the same is true. What a heartbreak for Isaac to hear his son say, it's your God. With that one word, die, when Jacob called the Lord God thy God, Jacob is refusing to call the Lord God my God. It's a huge conversion when a person goes from calling God, God, to my God. It's a huge change when a son or a daughter who's raised in a Christian home makes that transition to call God, my God. It's huge when a son or a daughter who's had to come to church becomes converted from calling God, my parents' God, to calling God, my God. It's salvation is evidenced when a person comes inside the fold and then calls the Lord Jesus Christ, my God. It's huge when a person is saved and he says to God, my Lord, my God, my Jesus. That's huge. And it'll be huge for Jacob when he makes this transition from calling the Lord God, thy God, to calling the Lord God, my God. Actually, that's not far from Jacob. We're coming up on it. Because Jacob is about to lay out for God the terms. The terms that it will take for Jacob to call the Lord my God. Turn to Genesis 28, verse 28 to 21. Because here, 
Jacob is laying out for God what it's going to take for Jacob to call the Lord my God. In Genesis 20, where we read, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I go, and give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again unto my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be, what? My God. Very important verse. Now, in these verses, Jacob makes it very clear that he's not just going to call the Lord my God unless God meets five conditions. He says five conditions here have to be met in order for Jacob to call God my God. First, he says in, in verse 20, he says, if God will be with me, so Jacob is saying if God, that God, first condition that God has to make is he's got to be with Jacob no matter where he goes and what he does. And he'll put God to the test on that. And second condition, and he has to keep him in this way that I go. So he's got to protect him. So one, be with him. Two, protect him. But don't go away. That's not finished yet. Because Jacob now has a third condition. God has to give him bread to eat. Good thing he didn't say caviar, he said bread. <laughs> okay, fourth condition, God has to give him clothes to wear. And the fifth condition, God has to bring him back home in peace. So Jacob told God that God had to meet those five conditions in order for Jacob to call God my God. Jacob told God that God could take it or leave it. <laughs> If God wanted Jacob to call him my God, then God had to come through with these five conditions. And those were non-negotiable. And that was Jacob's final offer to God. So God can take it or leave it. And so from seeing what we've seen in Jacob, I can't understand why God, why God even wanted him to call him my God. You know, I can't understand why God did not say to Jacob, you know, it's not such a great honor for you to call me my God. And, and so, you know what? I'm going to leave it. So, you know, I'm not going to take you up on your generous offer. <laughs> I mean, what did God get if he met all these five conditions that Jacob laid out to him in this bargain? I mean, to have a lying, cheating, deceiver call him my God, is that such a great prize? Such a deal for God. How could God pass it up? You know, I mean, God should just jump in on that offer. God should be so anxious that he says to Jacob, okay, okay, deal, I'll do it, I'll do it, just give me a chance. But the amazing thing is that God did take Jacob up on that proposal. And all we can say is, what, con con say it for me, condescension, thank you. What, what that for God to humble himself to agree to meet Jacob's five non-negotiable demands. I mean, what did, why did God humble himself to meet Jacob's five non-negotiable demands? It's amazing. Because God loved Jacob, and he saw past his present state of an arrogant man in Genesis 27 and 28, standing upright before God, to a future state of a broken man bowing the knee before God and clinging to him in Genesis 32. Psalm 8, 3 through 4. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what's man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? 
You know, when I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what's Jacob that thou would even listen to his five demands? Philippians 2.8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Why would he do that? See, but God did hear Jacob say to, to Isaac, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. I mean, you heard him say that. And we can imagine, you know, of course, he's you know, listening to other, but imagine when, when he said that, that God said, what? Why am I being dragged in on this deceit? Well, I don't have anything to do with this. Why am I a part of this lie? Now, actually, let's give Jacob the benefit of the doubt, and let's, let's not really say he lied here, because really, in a way, it's true what Jacob said to Isaac. Because when Jacob said to Isaac, because the Lord thy God hath brought it to me, Jacob had a basis for justifying that that was true, that the Lord thy God had brought it to him. Now, now where's the truth in Jacob's statement when he says the Lord thy God brought it to me? Who really brought the meat to him? Rebecca brought the meat to him, right? Now, so there's truth. Let's give him a benefit of the doubt. There's truth in what Jacob said to Isaac because Jacob is seeing how dominating Rebekah was over Isaac. And so when, when Jacob told Isaac that the Lord thy God brought it to me, that was true because Rebekah was Isaac's Lord and God. <laughs> Try to be serious. Okay, verse 21. Now Isaac has a test to see if this is really Esau or not, and he wants him to come near so he can feel him. What do we see here? He's an affectionate father. He just come near. Affectionate father. And, and how it must have broken Jacob's heart for him to think, all the years of my life, how I wish that I could be my father's son. How I wish that he would have called me my son. How I wish that I could have felt my father. How I wish that my father would have called me to come close to him and kiss him. And, and, and just maybe... Jacob felt this resentment towards his father because his father loved Esau instead of him. And then he, he says, come near. And he, and he says, that I may feel thee. A very, very tender moment there. Very important. Come here, that I may feel thee. And later on, you'll see that in verse 26, where he says, again, come near now and kiss me, my son. You know, we just had the, the service here, the elements, and Dave Hall brought out something that's very interesting. You know, in the elements here, it's the Lord really like Isaac saying, come near and kiss me. Come near to me. Come near my son. I mean, that's really what taking the bread and remembering the death of the Lord and taking the juice and remembering the blood of the Lord is all about. It's all about just like God, just like if it was Isaac reaching out his hand and just saying, Get, come close to me because I just want to grab the back of your neck and pull you into me. I want you to come near. I want you to kiss me. Kiss the son, says in Psalm 2. Now, uh, Jacob, verse 22, he's got no problem getting close to his father. Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And as he got, got up close, Isaac was able to feel him and feel that goat hair. Well, he didn't know it was goat hair. And then Isaac states his conclusion in verse 22. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And even though Jacob, he couldn't disguise his voice, the goat hair... It did the trick, just like Mama said. And Isaac was convinced this must be Esau because no one could have hair like that. <laughs> Such great hair. And we can picture Rebecca around the corner saying, yes, that goat hair did the trick. I knew it would. 
Verse 24. Now we see that Isaac still wants another confirmation that the person speaking to him really is Esau. So Isaac asked him in verse 24, and he said, Art thou my very son Esau? He said, I am, I am. So Jacob, he gives him his last confirmation. He really is. And then in in verse 25, we see Jacob, he brings Isaac the meat and said, Isaac ate it. And so far, we've seen nothing said about the wine, bringing the wine at the end of verse 25. But we read here that Jacob took the initiative when it says, he said, bring it near to me, I will eat of my son's venison, my soul bless thee. He brought near to him, he did eat, and he brought him wine and he drank. Now, this was all a very tense moment for Jacob, and we can imagine how Jacob says to his father, you know, here, Dad, drink a little wine, drink a little more wine, just keep drinking that wine, you'll be fine. And more wine he drank, the more comfortable Jacob was starting to feel. And so he's getting him drunk. And so when Jacob is doing this to his father, giving him this wine, we can picture God in heaven saying, write that down. Take note of that. We're going to make a night come about when, when this same person is going to be given a lot of wine and be deceived by a sister named Leah who's going to impersonate herself as the other sister named Rachel. And then the next morning when he wakes up, he's going to see, I married the wrong person. Leah instead of Rachel, thanks to the wine and a veil. And so just as Jacob used wine to deceive his father and take a blessing his father did not intend to do, give to Jacob, then, then he'll later be deceived himself by the wine, take a wife he didn't intend to take. And then as Jacob is standing there using Esau's coat to deceive his father, you know, God, we can picture God saying, can you write that down too, please? Because we've got to bring that back in the future also because we need another coat, another coat of a son. Of, now we'll make this coat Jacob's son. And we'll have this coat be many colors, and it'll be blood on it from a goat or wherever the animal. I think it was a goat. You know, and, and we'll just say, wild animals killed it. So just like Jacob used a coat to deceive his father, Jacob's going to be later be deceived by one of his son's coats. Now, we see that Isaac now asks to do one more thing in verse 26. He says, come near now, my son, and kiss me. It's not enough for Isaac just to bless him. Isaac needs for him to come near and kiss him. And again, he calls Jacob who he thinks is Esau, my son. And again, this must have broken Jacob's heart in thinking, he never called me my son anyway. But he, he asked him, come near and kiss me. And he thinks to himself, he never asked me to come near and kiss him. Now, why did Isaac, in verse 26, ask Jacob to come near now and kiss me, my son? Well, he could have done that without kissing him. Because love looks for love. Love looks for love. See, Isaac is about to do the greatest expression of love by transferring the Abrahamic blessing, and Isaac is looking for a return in love. That's very human. That's very understandable. And when we see that very human requirement of love looking for a return in love, we think of how unique it is that God's love is, as the Lord Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And actually, he did not lay down his life for his friends because the ones he laid down his life for are described in Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans five ten, where it says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We weren't his friends. We were the opposite. We were his enemies when he laid down his life for us. So when Isaac loves, 
He's looking for love in return. When God loves, he does not look for love in return. God loves his enemies, and he became a man, and he died for his enemies to save his enemies from hell. Now, in verse 27, we can picture the scene when it says he came near and kissed him. We can see Jacob. He's leaning over now. He's putting his cheek against Isaac's cheek to kiss him. We can hear Isaac reaching up, you know, see Isaac reaching up and grabbing the back of his neck and pulling him in, and he feels the goat skin. He thinks Esau, and he kisses him. Now, there's a great change that's going to happen in Isaac because when we freeze that picture, we see Isaac thinking, it's Esau here, and he's blessing him with this kiss. So at this point, Isaac wants to kiss Esau, and he wants to bless Esau with a kiss. But he doesn't know he's not actually doing that. He doesn't know he's actually kissing and blessing Jacob, but that's on the side right now. But later in this chapter, Isaac will see how wrong he has been to want to pass the Abrahamic blessing on to Esau. And later, in verses 38 through 39, Isaac will bless Esau. And when you compare Isaac's blessing of Jacob in verses 26 to 29, who he thinks is Esau, and Isaac's blessing of Esau when he knows it's Esau in verses 39 through 40, what's missing in the last blessing that Isaac gives to Esau? The kiss. The kiss is missing. See, before Isaac repented, he wanted to kiss Esau. And after Isaac repented, he didn't want to kiss Esau. See, in verse 33, we'll see Isaac trembles very exceedingly. And when Isaac trembles very exceedingly, Isaac is shaking that stubborn desire out of him to favor Esau over Jacob. That trembling very exceedingly in verse 33 is Isaac's repentance. And Isaac's repents of his stubborn desire to favor Esau over Jacob. And so therefore, he doesn't want to kiss Esau in verses 39 through 40. As a matter of fact, I don't think Isaac, when he saw how Rebekah was deceiving him, I don't think he wanted to kiss her either. (laughs) I don't think he wants to kiss anyone anymore. Now, and then we read that Jacob comes here, and we read in verse 27, he smells his raiment, and he says, oh, this is wonderful smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. You know, I first visited Israel for the first time, and I really didn't want to see all the sights and everything. I just wanted to see the actual land. I wanted to get a feel for the topography and just how the land laid out. I was impressed how similar it was to, is to Southern California. I mean, the land of Canaan is like here. I mean, it's like this... Very much the same topography. And it's just rich with these aromatic herbs that have this distinct smell. You know, and when we lived in a ranch in Lakeside, sometimes our goats, our 300 goats, well, some of our 300 goats, they got loose, and I'd have to track them through the brush out there in Lakeside. And my clothes would smell so strong that my wife would not allow me to come into the house with my clothes on. I had to strip down my underwear and leave my clothes outside. And that's like what it says in Solomon 4.11. The smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. So the very strong smell that Isaac smells in verse 27. And we can picture Isaac, he's inhaling, filling his lungs with that strong smell, and Isaac exhales, and Isaac says something wonderful when he says, oh, he calls the smell the smell of a field the Lord has blessed. And Isaac has just given a wonderful description to a field. He said, a field which the Lord hath blessed. We look at those pictures, those green, lush, fields of agriculture in Imperial Valley or Israel, and we say the words of Isaac. That's a field which the Lord has blessed. And now we see in verse 28, he starts the blessing. 
And he says, therefore, God give thee. You know, in all the English translation, it looks like Isaac just says, God give thee. God bless thee. God give thee. Elohim, give thee. But actually, the Hebrew words are unique here because it says, ha Elohim, the God give thee. In other words, God is not just, I mean, Isaac's not just saying, oh, God in general give you. He's saying, the God give thee. And when he says the, he's being very specific as to who God is. Not just any God, but the God. It shows how important it is for us to say our blessings come from the God, the only God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it means in Ephesians 1.3 when it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, we see in verse 28, this first blessing he calls out, he says, God give thee the dew of heaven. Isaac here has got in his sight and in his mind here, dew, dew, D-E-W, dew. And when we think about it, you know, dew is something wonderful. I mean, have you ever thought about it? I mean, we don't get much rain here in Southern California, and there would be nothing alive here if it wasn't for dew. You know, because the dew is what the plants drink up and they survive on. Dew is like a miracle. It's dry outside at night. And all of a sudden, the leaves and the grass are dripping with water. What was that? It's dew. Where did it come from? Well, it came in the night. And it came in the stillness of the night. You know, dew doesn't come if it's windy. It's got to be no wind. And plants live on that. And that picture is used as an analogy of the goodness of God. In Proverbs 19.12, it says, The king's favor is as a roaring lion, but his king's wrath. But his favor is as dew upon the grass. When God shows his favor to us, he says, I'm like the dew. He says, that's dew. And dew is a blessing from God. He says in Zechariah 8.12, it says, The seed will be prosperous, the vine will give her fruit, the ground will give her increase, the heavens will give their dew. And I'll cause the remnants of people to possess all things. See, dew's called a precious thing. Moses said that in Deuteronomy 33.13. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed be the Lord of his land for the precious things of heaven for the dew. It's a wonderful provision of God. He went on in Deuteronomy 33, 28. He says, his heavens shall drop down dew. It's a gift from God. In Proverbs 3, 20, it says, his knowledge, the depths are broken up, the clouds drop down the dew. It's a picture of how dew makes the difference between life and death. And God says, that difference that the dew makes, he says, God says, color me like the dew. He says in Hosea 14, 5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily. See, we need God as much as the grass needs dew. We need God for life like the grass needs dew to live. We need God to be fruitful like plants need dew to be fruitful. That's why it's so wonderful when God says in Hosea 14.5, I will be as the dew. And what's so amazing about the dew is that it's the moisture, it's there in the air, but under, just under the right conditions of quietness, And darkness, the dew distills from the air into dew, into liquid. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of distillation. It transfers the humidity of the droplets. And and God says in in Deuteronomy 32.2, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 6.63, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. And so the words that he speaks, and then he says, like we said in Deuteronomy 32.2, his speech shall distill as the dew. And when does the moisture in the air distill to dew? In the night, in a calm night. And when does speech of the Lord Jesus Christ distill as the dew to giving us life? During the night of our lives. 
when we are alone with God, in a calm night of our lives, when we have made ourselves calm before God, when we have made ourselves, as it says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. In our quiet time with God, when we've gotten alone with God, when we've shut the door of our hearts to every thought that would pull us away from God, when we've made ourselves still, when we made ourselves know the Lord Jesus Christ is God, that's when his speech distills as the dew. And something amazing happens. And then, you know, another thing happens, and we see that every morning. It says, all of a sudden, sun comes up, dew's gone. Where'd it go? I went back into the air. Disappeared. I will be as the dew. My speech shall distill as the dew. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. Be to us as the dew. Distill on our hearts, Lord, your speech. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Join the Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event, including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104.